welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. I'm William. I hope you guys are having a good spooky day. We're having a good spooky night. We're ready to share with you. Oh boy, are we. But let's get to a spooky thing first that we received in the mail. Yes. So, so awesome. So one of our listeners, Tracy, went to the Mothman Museum in Virginia um, not that long ago. And she told me that she was going and I was like, happy trails. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, so Tracy sent us a cool little stuffed Mothman from her travels to the Mothman Museum in West Virginia. It's rad. It's like it's a little awesome. Mothman, like stuffed, <laughs> stuffed figure. It's kind of yeah. hard to see. If you watch the video version, you can see the doll itself. It's got glowing red eyes. Right. We're dark here anyway, but you can kind of see the, the stuffed animal quality of it it's very hairy yes <laughs> which yes. i like a lot i'd imagine true to life like it looks like a shadow yeah it's cool like if you if you want to play with it and you hang it upside down like it's flying let's Ooh. say over the top of a car yeah, yeah, while yeah. it's driving very fast and keeping up speed with it as the mothman does right it has these weird things that hang down and make it look creepy oh, that's great it's really cool and i'm excited to put it on our little shelf behind us where Absolutely. we record it's got a little glittery stuff on the wings which yeah. i really like. thank you so much tracy it was so Oh, so nice. I was so excited to get that. So thank you so yes, much. And I just want to read the really sweet note that Tracy sent with it because it made me happy. And I want to shout out her spreading some happiness. We should all do that. So she said, Dear Will and Kristen, I've been meaning to get this in the mail for quite a while now from the Mothman Museum. I just want to say how much I love the show. It's the perfect blend of comedy, spooky, and interesting all rolled into one. I've been branching out listening to some other podcasts, but GTTU remains number one. Keep up the wonderful work you both do. From Tracy. So nice. So Tracy, thank you so much. That was really nice. It made me really happy when I got it. And just thank you for the awesome toy and the really sweet touching note. Yeah, we really appreciate it. It yeah. means a lot to us. It's it really, really supportive. This is really cool and freaky. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you for the random act of kindness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we're really glad you enjoyed the show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad. Uh, cool. And I think that takes us right into yeah. our topics for this week. Yes. Uh, Chris and I have pre- uh, prepared topics from the wide world of heart. We've done our research. We're going to tell them to each other now, just mm-hmm. as we do every Friday on Guide to the Unknown. Subscribe on all major podcast apps, Spotify, Please. and watch on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who's going first? Hmm. Um, I'll go first. You'll go first? Sure, what Perfect. the hell? Kristen's going to go first this week. Okay, let me just grab my notes on it. So, William, while I'm pulling these up, yes. what do you think you know about the broadcast of War of the Worlds? Ooh, ooh, mm-hmm. ooh. Mm-hmm. We decided for October that we were going to pick uh, some yeah. big guns topics. Yeah. We've done, you know, absurd, you know, small things before, like the Loveland Frog and stuff right. like that. Uh but all October, we're doing big guns. Yeah. This is a very exciting one. I, I, I love the War of the Worlds. Um, but what do I actually know about it? Because I think there are things that I know about it conceptually, mm-hmm. maybe more so than the actual real story of what happened. But right. Orson Welles, uh, without really telling anybody that he was going to, uh, you know, he had producers and business people yeah, yeah, yeah. who knew. But uh, basically, uh, they put on a production of uh, a play mm-hmm. that no one knew was a play mm-hmm. uh, broadcast on the radio about an invasion of UFOs yeah. happening somewhere in New Jersey? Yes. Okay. And uh, uh, there was, you know, mass freakout as mm-hmm. people listened to this happen and thought it was really happening. Right. But I think that's all I know. I know I've listened to it before, but a long time ago, uh, 
That's all I know. Yeah. That, I mean, you're basically dead on with it. Um, they're just like little details that are slightly different. So it was a radio play kind of thing, but it was a regular radio play. Like they had something called the Mercury Theater, um, Mercury Theater on the air. So they've been doing it for 17 weeks uh-huh. when War of the Worlds came out. So it wasn't like they just like, photobombed the radio and did it did like a guerrilla flash mobby radio thing surprise broadcast no it was like it was a regularly scheduled thing that was always on okay so orson welles always did it um and they did kind of like more traditional stories usually like they had done um sherlock holmes they did like treasure island um but basically orson welles wanted to do something different he's starting to get a little bored of it he wanted to like shake up the format so I'm going to tell you what the plot of the War of the Worlds radio thing is and then tell you about kind of like the hysteria around it that you alluded to and then go into a little bit like some people think that, well, number one, some people say that the hysteria was played up and that it's not as crazy as it was. And also some people say that this was all planned from the beginning, that Orson Welles and his cronies were like, oh, I never, I can't believe you got so scared, but they wanted to freak everybody out. That's awesome. So I have some information on the background of the production of War of the Worlds that was super interesting. Hell yeah. So I knew like nothing about War of the Worlds. I basically knew what you said, but I couldn't have told you the plot beyond that. And the reason I even thought of this was that for some reason recently, Ryan has been into New Jersey history sort of things. Okay. Like, for whatever reason, it recently struck him that, like, man, like, Edison lived here and, like, developed the light bulb here and invented elect- – well, you know, discovered electricity here and – also was reading about how War of the Worlds was, you know, supposedly happened here. And he's been wanting to go and check out those places. That's cool. It's been fun. So a couple It of, is weird. Like It is weird. You forget. Like We live down the road from the town Edison. Edison. Yeah. Named after Thomas Edison. Right. I just realized I know why he got into this. He and I went to play Monster Mini Golf in Edison. Mm. And the Monster Mini Golf is edi- Thomas Edison themed. So like on the walls, it's different things happening with electricity. Some of them with Edison. There's like a mural of like Edison and Tesla, like having a fight basically. And it kind of, there's like one mural that has like a street name on it or something yeah. that's a real street and it was just kind of like huh these are all i mean not really but you know this stuff happened like right here yeah like thomas Edison was here i was just there recently i didn't notice that at all how recently i saw a bunch of monsters and stuff. <laughs> two months they're monsters too i mean i would imagine that it was like that already all i saw were the monsters <laughs> i feel mon- stupid that sounds like very like intellectual and interesting and There's i was like looking a at frankenstein and- being like oh well, spooky <laughs> I posted pictures of it. There's like a phonograph with like a ghost coming out of it. I don't follow you. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> it was on the Guides of the Unknown account. Uh. <laughs> um, the monsters are more the 3D things in the middle. On the walls were kind of Edison themed okay. things. And I think it made him like, huh, this stuff all happened here. So we went to like Thomas Edison State Park a couple of weeks ago and walked around and went to the monument there. And then we went to Grover's Mill New Jersey, which is kind of by Princeton, um, where there's a War of the Worlds monument mm. that Katie, um, who's our one of our listeners and one of my best friends, um, went to with her son Jackson a little while ago. So I kind of knew about it. And there's also a coffee house called Grover's Mill Coffee House that has a War of the Worlds theme. So we went there first, got some lunch, got some coffee, and then went and just looked at the plaque real quick. Cool. Because it's just a plaque in the middle of a park. Sure. There is a little bit more to it now that I think about it. I'm going to post all the pictures from it. I've been sitting on them to post along with this episode. But it's cool. Like, you know, in a lot of parks, they'll have little um, markers or things that explain, like, 
the trees in this area are of the blah, blah, blah variety. Yeah, yeah. There are those little markers around this very short portion of the trail talking about the War of the World. So it says stuff about the plot. It says stuff about Orson Welles on the next one. It says stuff about the audience reception. That's neat. It's fun. It's totally random. It's a very small spot of a park that has a field where like kids play sports and it has, you know, a playground and everything, but it's just like a cool, weird, weird New Jersey thing. And it's funny because I think it's within the story, mm-hmm. War of the Worlds, that's just where the UFOs landed. Yes. So it's not as though that is where it was originally broadcast from no. or anything. It's that is the place in the fictional story. Right. I like that. It just gets shouted out a yeah. lot, basically. Yeah. I like it, though, when uh, some element of horror has, like, real roots in a place or something yeah. that you can actually visit. Yeah. Um, I might go to where they filmed Halloween. Oh, soon. cool. I've been, I've been planning a little trip. That's – wait. Where they filmed the original yes. Halloween? Yes. That's awesome. Ugh. Found out it's about like 20 minutes away from where I'm going to be. Oh, amazing. Yeah. You have to do that. Um, so, yeah. So the coffee shop has like a mural of a barn being like invaded by aliens. It has like all kinds of War of the Worlds memorabilia. Ryan got me a little poster because it's the 50th year anniversary of the broadcast of War of the Worlds. Oh. It was October 30th, 1938. Cool. So we got a little commemorative poster from the Grover's Mill Coffee House. It was fun. So that's what put it on my mind. So now to go back to what I was saying, the plot is that they acted like it was typical radio programming. Like the beginning of it did say, you know, it's an episode of Mercury Theater on the air. This is fiction or whatever. But even when I listened to it today, I missed when they said that. I was going to go back and I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to have the exact experience they had. Like I wasn't paying attention or something. I didn't notice them say that. That's great. Um, So the plot is or, you know, the thing is that it's typical evening programming on the radio there's music playing and stuff but every once in a while a news bulletin comes in and says something so the first bulletin says that there was a a series of explosions on mars and they're just like just something to know just you know weird (laughs) thing happened then the the news was like that i know the news chimes in like just so you know something exploded like out in the sky and like we don't really know what it is but it was weird so we thought we would tell you all right back to the show that's basically all that it was. Yeah. Um, so then the next news bulletin that comes in is that they say that um, seemingly unrelated, they haven't connected these things, that an object has fallen onto a barn in Grover's Mill, New Jersey, that it fell from the sky. Then later on in a news bulletin, they're on the scene with police and onlookers who are all crowding around a strange cylindrical object. Mm. Then Martians emerge and start attacking the people using a heat ray, and the reporter is abruptly cut off at the scene. So you're like, eh. Um, so they're just more, now it's just pretty much all news bulletins. I don't even think they go back to music or anything. So they're increasingly alarming news bulletins, um, saying that there's an alien invasion across the U.S. and across the world. And it ends with a live report of a giant Martian machine releasing clouds of poisonous smoke across New York City. Yeah. And then it just kind of cuts off. Wow. They also, they talk about New Jersey a lot. They're talking about Middlesex County, Plainfields, like lots of New Jersey towns. Cool. So they obviously paid attention to the geographics of it, which made it more real, number yep. one, and is sweet and makes it very authentic. Orson um, Welles was the original Kevin Smith. <laughs> that's right. I have said that before. <laughs> and I'll say it again. Yeah. Um, I really liked that they cited at one point black smoke over Jersey marshes. Doesn't that sound awesome? Yeah, it does. So then there's a break. There's a commercial break like 
30, it's an hour show. There's a commercial break like 30 minutes in or something. And then there's a break later. And when you come back in, they've dropped the act of it being like news reports or whatever. And it's kind of taken the style of a traditional radio drama. And you're following a survivor who's dealing with the aftermath of all this stuff. Oh. Um, he meets another survivor. Like it's not like all humanity has been wiped out or whatever. And they find out that the Martians have been defeated, not by humans, but by microbes. Oh. So it's going to be okay. We're going to rebuild. Okay. But because this was so realistic and because it didn't have a lot of breaks that would tell you like, oh, well, there's a commercial on right now. Like, why would it be cutting away for a regular commercial? People thought that it was real and they were freaking out. Mm. So like I said, there was some debate over how many people freaked out. Um, there are like, I guess because you don't have resources to measure things the same way. Like, so they say that 12 meal, twi- <laughs> 12 meals. 12 meals were consumed in stress <laughs> while listening to this. Um, I would. So they said about like 12 million people listened to it. Wow. And they're saying like if one in 12 people called freaked out, that, that still means a million people were freaked out about this, which is significant. Yeah. But then there are other people who say the number is much less. It's been kind of like bumped up. And a theory that I really like, I don't know if it's true, but I think it's interesting and I like the idea of it is some people say that this all built up and got trumped up as a huge thing because of newspapers having headlines and really running with the story for a long time because newspapers wanted to discredit radio. They didn't want you to be giving credence to things on the radio because it's taking away advertisers and things from them. So they're like, yes, yeah, see, you can't trust that darned radio. That's so newspapers amazing. really spread it like wildfire, even though it wasn't as big as they made it seem. That is which amazing. Because like you think about that like now, like yeah. when the internet came out, people were like, oh, kids are getting lost on that internet. <laughs> you know, and then your phone comes out. And they're like, oh, they never stop using their phones. Yeah. It's funny to think that it did start with like newspaper people being like, like radio, damn radio, yeah. whisking them away to other worlds <laughs> it's gonna we don't rot your like brain. it yeah turns out everything that's new will rot your brain Did oh you yeah 100 percent, of yeah. course so you know numbers disregarded people were freaking out calls were flooding into cbs wanting to know if it's real or wanting further about the reports local police stations and local radio stations were getting tons of calls um there was a town in washington called concrete washington that coincidentally had a short circuit within their phone system so the phones were down it had nothing to do with anything but people who are listening right. to this thinking that something terrible is going on can't use their phones yep. so everybody was freaking the hell out oh my god um <laughs> That's great, though. I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, so one of the producers got a phone call from the police or someone. I shouldn't write that down. But while they were on the air saying that he had to interrupt the broadcast immediately to announce that this was fiction because people are freaking out. But the show was less than a minute away from their break. And one of the voice actors was busy choking on poison gas at the, you know, <sighs> yeah, at the right. time. So, like, it was, like, you know, 30 seconds out or something like that. Plus, this guy's just like, ah, ah, so they didn't say anything wow um so cops started to trickle in to the cbs radio station to be like you guys need to do something about this people are losing it and there ended up being not a physical struggle but apparently eventually the room was just like full of cops and there was a struggle between cops the cbs page boys and the cbs execs who are trying to keep the cops from going in and stopping the show wow and i have a quote about it that is really awesome let me get to it real quick okay so this is from one of the producers. Um, he said that during the break, they were off. Or no, excuse me. Is this right? 
Oh, it was during the sign-off theme. Okay, so that was happening, and then they finished the show, and then this is happening. So he said, they were off the air now, and the studio door had burst open. The following hours were a nightmare. The building was suddenly full of people in dark blue uniforms. Hustled out of the studio, we were locked into a small back office on another floor. Here we sat, incommunicado, while network employees were uh, were busily collecting, destroying, or locking up all scripts and records of the broadcast. Finally, the press was let loose upon us, uh, ravening for horror. How many deaths had we heard of implying they knew of thousands what did we know of the fatal stampede in a jersey hall implying it was one of many one of many what traffic deaths the ditches must be choked with corpses the suicides haven't you heard about the one on riverside drive it's all quite vague in my memory and quite terrible that's great so crazy like i love thinking of like the old-timey pandemonium pandemonium of that like think of like you know that movie radio land murders that we loved where it'd be people just doing like sound effects with like coconut shells yep. and stuff like these are just people in a room with mics making this happen there are obviously sound effects and things like that but there's like a room of old tiny co- old timey cops like yeah. right outside wanting to step in and everything and then when it's over they flood in and they're like look what she's done there are people dying it it's is amazing so they, uh, dramatic like, and crazy we're able to hold it off until the performance was over i know you know what i mean i know well i would imagine a lot of calls or they started to become aware that this is a problem like midway through the show so maybe they started to trickle in while the show is still going on they were kind of able to stave them off and then there are enough in as soon as it's over there's like bam and they all flooded it it's so nuts so during all this time which i'll go into a little bit more like the time of them recording the show and also prepping for the show orson wells was in the middle of rehearsing for this play called danton's death um also in the city so not far away and he had to leave from recording war of the worlds to go to rehearsal like it was the middle of the night but they were just rehearsing around the clock and um he went back to rehearsal and a a cast member came in a little late after him and they said that there was news about him up in times square (laughs) so they all went outside to see the lighted bulletin thing um on the new york times building and it said orson wells causes panic like can you imagine how crazy this must have been like you did this thing you just have to go to this other rehearsal he was insanely exhausted he rehearsed for 36 hours for this play nonstop at one point like he's probably just out of his mind and then it says your name causes panic as on the new york times building as like a performer yeah artist is there anything better than that oh he loved it like it sounds like at first he was like i'm ruined but then he realized that it was good his first instinct was that this is bad publicity and then he realized it was good and he kind of like leaned into it sure yeah i mean if if there are stories coming out that Kristen rogers anderson is like the world on fire oh yeah i mean come on how powerful can you get orson welles causes panic that's so great it's awesome so the next day the next morning so this is a fast turnaround time like this show was on late at night and then all of a sudden the next morning they hold a press conference because this has been a huge deal so cbs holds a press conference and orson welles was taking questions from reporters so here are some questions and answers from him question were you aware of the terror such a broadcast would stir up wells definitely not the technique i used was not original with me it was not even new i anticipated nothing unusual question should you have toned down the language of the drama wells no you don't play murder in soft words which i like oh i love that question why was the story changed to put names of american cities and government officers because it was a british story um wells hg wells which is a coincidence um who's the author of the story war of the worlds which i'll get into in a minute H.G. Wells used real cities in Europe, and to make the play more acceptable to American listeners, we use real cities in America. Of course, I'm terribly sorry now. Hmm. So he was very apologetic and like, I didn't mean to do this, and kind of like 
apologetic and hang dog about it a little bit. Some people think too hang hang dog, like too studied and that he was full of it and they plotted this whole thing basically. So that leads us to the question, was this on purpose? Did they want this to be a big scary thing because it was going to lead to a lot of publicity and stuff? So he said later that he did kind of hope that people had thought that it was real, but not to the extent that it went. But it seemed like it was all very wink-wink. Like, oh, I didn't mean for this to happen. Right. He seemed to be very cheekily playing it up. Um, his collaborators and producers say, no, absolutely not. And the draft scripts and the anecdotes about that time support that. So it seems like okay. he just liked the idea of Orson Welles causes panic or, and wanted to kind of like you know, I mean, let maybe that he didn't legend talk about it live. Of time, but maybe he was hoping that... No. The format of it would do something. No, not really. I mean, maybe, but it doesn't seem really. He was not that involved in the writing of it and everything, and you'll you'll see why. So he oh, okay. was totally wrapped up in that play. He basically picked the story, gave it to his producers, and were like, do this. They were like, ugh, this story sucks. They oh. thought it was super boring and corny, and they tried to get in touch with him to change it, but they couldn't get in touch with him because he was just in constant rehearsals for this play. Right. So actually, one of the producers lied to the other and was like, yeah, no, he says we have to do it, even though he they couldn't get through to him. Yeah. But time was ticking. It was like a weekly, th- right. maybe not weekly, I'm not sure, but you know, time was ticking and they needed to you move on get it. something done. Exactly. Ooh. So they thought it was super lame and corny, but they were like, we got to do it. Basically, they thought that the narrator of the book, War of the Worlds, was boring. So they decided to lean really hard on to the fake bulletin aspect because the person was so dry in the source material of just being like, oh, this is happening, that's happening. They right. needed to make it punchy. So they're like, let's make it seem real and really real. And it worked too well, basically. Um, they also removed some things that would have shown the passage of time and made it not seem like this was all happening literally right now. Yeah. Like there were, rest- uh, there were references to last night's massacre okay. and they took it out yeah. um, because they wanted to make it seamless to draw listeners in, um, which they sure did. Yeah, it worked. Um, also the actors gave them a lot of input about how to make dialogue more realistic to like the way that they would speak. And actually the person who was being the reporter on the scene where the Martian spacecraft landed on that, uh, farm and grower's mill, listened to real reports of the Hindenburg disaster to listen to the way the reporter was talking during that. Cause they saw that live, oh. the people who were, um, you know, reacting to it, listened to that as well. And they all played off of that. And they basically just did too good a job. Wow. Well, I mean, that's great, though. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Although it is funny because when I think about the Hindenburg, all I think about is, oh, the humanity. <laughs> so it was all of War of the Worlds. Been like, oh, look at that. Like Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> I, guess, landing in a big space. I guess the guy really used some restraint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So that's it. It does not seem like it was on purpose. He, Orson Welles himself was not even that involved in the planning of it and the okay. rehearsal of it. It seems like they just wanted to, they thought that this sucks and it's kind of boring. It's just like, okay, Martians landed. At that time, at the time this came out, like UFO stuff was considered childish and very pulpy. Like that was stuff that was in comic books for kids. They were like, this is just corny. Like yeah. we don't want to be doing this. And they're like, all right, so we'll make it interesting by making it have this cool format. That was Orson Welles' idea. He wanted that format. But they just leaned into it super hard because they thought it was lame. And just without his input or anything, they did too well. And it ended up seeming very real. And then he was like, yeah, no, it uh, may have been my plan. Yeah, It's funny. I've heard several uh, uh, very famous movies I've heard start Mm -hmm. with people being like, this is going to suck. Yeah. Well, let's just find the way to make it fun then because we got to do it. Right. And then those things explode. Yeah. Psycho was like that. Halloween was like that. 
Um, parts of Scream were like that. Really? Mm hmm. Uh, just like, you know, like the horror industry itself mm-hmm. was just like completely uh, well, yeah. dissolved, basically. But like, I guess that that is a great place for something really interesting to come out of when you're yeah. like, well, we have to. So let's just find right. a fun way to do it. Right. And maybe that fun way ends up being really unique and it strikes on something that's really amazing. Yeah, that's but no, great. you're totally right. Like crew members and everything, like people would ask, you know, producers or sound guys like, oh, how's it going? They'd be like, this show this week is going to suck. It's going to put you to sleep. It's really dull. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It also shows like nobody understands. Right. Like, like it's, that's lightning in a bottle. Right? I would say they're also doing it live. So there's a lightning in the bottle aspect to it. Right. For sure. But like, it's like, you know, something being different isn't always understood. Mm-hmm. It's all about the outcry. Yeah. And I guarantee that there are a million other things that have those same ingredients that we've right. never heard of. Yeah. It's just like, this was the time. Yeah. The climate was right. Something about that made it really take off. That's yeah. very interesting. Totally. Isn't that cool? Yeah. 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 That's great. That's a great story. Yeah. Um, and then it comes all the way to the modern era with mm-hmm. Tom Cruise in War of the Worlds, directed by Steven Spielberg. Sure does. Throwing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at a window. Yeah. Wait, really? Yep. He's making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for his kids. One of them says something that makes him mad, and he throws the sandwich at the window, and it sticks to the window and slides down. Oh, my God. That's what happens in that movie. So is that kind of like a little bit of a metaphor for tears sliding down a face? How there normally be a, a close-up of just like a single tear sliding down a cheek? Yeah. But it's a, a peanut butter. Piece of toast. Yeah. It's a peanut butter. Yeah. yeah, it's a peanut butter. <laughs> a peanut butter. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah, a great story. Right? Cool. Very cool. Uh all right. Well, all right. Uh, then from maybe sort of an original uh-huh. viral hit to a kind of more modern one. It's still about oh, yeah, this is a very viral themed episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. The idea of uh, art blending with reality, tricking people into thinking that fictional events actually took place. Yeah. Kristen, this week on the show, I'm gonna tell you and our dear listeners all about the Blair Witch. Mm. Now, uh, The Blair Witch is a franchise that's comprised of three movies. Yep. A lot of people don't realize that there are three movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to call this thing a franchise. Right. Because uh, f- to many people, it's a one-hit wonder. Yeah. They think of that original movie and probably the most recent movie that came out two years ago. Right. Uh, and they're just like, well, that was like, whatever. There's the found footage thing. Who cares? I can't even conceive of not knowing. <laughs> I know. One, two, and three. They're so deeply embedded in me. I completely agree with you. <laughs> That's why I made a face when you said a lot of people don't know. And I was like, well, I guess a lot of people don't. No, I, I'm telling we, you. I we think, certainly do. I think the average consumer does not know. I think you're right. And I think that even people who are in the know about the movies don't mm-hmm. realize that the Blair Witch franchise is, in right. fact, a franchise spanning multiple comic books, yep. novels, and video games. It's a multimedia franchise. Way more than you really ever would have expected. Yep. Um, so in talking about the Blair Witch, it's impossible not to talk about the way the movies were mm-hmm. made. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about literally the history of the character, yeah. the Blair Witch, and her powers and what she does to people. But I'm also going to tell you about the way the creators came up with her uh-huh. and uh, some of the many legends that surround her cool yeah because even more so than the movies and all of the the books and stuff like that yeah um the franchise goes way deeper because there are essentially uh hundreds of rumors speculation fan theories and interpretations of what the blair witch is because spoiler alert what i'll get to at the end of all this is that the blair witch doesn't exist right not only obviously in our world Mm because it's a fictional fictional character but within the world of these things i think uh what people call the blair witch Mm -hmm. is not something that's a a, a lady witch monster 
whatever. Right. It's not a solid thing. It, yeah, it's something else entirely. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to spoil the hell out mm-hmm. of as much Blair Witch stuff as possible. Please. So uh, if you if you need to and if you want to, go watch all the movies mm-hmm. uh, and stuff and, and look up things online about the video games. Play them, read the books, because I'm going to spoil as much as I possibly can. Yeah. I requested this topic. I love Blair Witch stuff. William and I have watched all of these movies a million times. Yeah. Uh, we both read the book versions of it for our former podcast, Book Club Schmuck Club. Yeah, we have full reviews of yes. the uh, two of the Blair Witch books mm-hmm. on our Book Club Schmuck Club feed. You can still go find them. Yeah, we're Blair, we're Blair Witch babies. Yeah, absolutely. But William has played the Blair Witch video games, which he'll get to, and I haven't. So I asked that William do this topic because i feel like you have a more complete view of it than i do because of that it is strange i feel like at a certain point uh the blair witch happened for me in a big bad way yeah i don't remember really being aware of it as it came out originally oh i do it didn't really capture my attention back then i'm sure i saw it i'm sure i did but it wasn't until somewhere in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. that uh i revisited it and and suddenly it's like it clicked in place yeah. for me. The way that Twin Peaks did. Yeah, yeah Where it's yeah. like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, this not, rules. And, and not only do I understand why people like it, I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want some more of it. Yeah. Uh, and so I have uh, binged through pretty much all of uh, the Blair Witch media. Yeah. And everything. Um, so uh, uh, I'm going to tell you about the way that uh, she was originally created by mm-hmm. Dan Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, the Sweet. writers and directors of the original movie. Cool. Oh, I forgot. I've got all these visual aids. If you're watching the YouTube version, youtube.com slash talkbomb. Yeah. I also backed a Kickstarter for Dan Myrick. Oh, cool. Uh, who's doing a new movie about aliens. And uh, part one of the perks was that I got the original script of Blair Witch. So oh, I also cool. have Where that, but I, I didn't put it in front of me. You're not going to be able to find it. Okay. Um, but anyway, they were uh, film students together. Yeah. And they realized at a certain point as they were watching all these movies and stuff that they got more enjoyment watching documentaries about Mm -hmm. paranormal events, ghosts and stuff than they did from actual horror movies themselves. And so they essentially decided to uh, create some sort of a hybrid of the two, a documentary fictional movie. Uh, Blair Witch is known first and foremost for its filming style. It was one of the first movies to popularize the idea of found footage. The premise is this. Uh, three film students go into the Black Hills woods outside of Burkittsville, Maryland to film a documentary about a legend known as the Blair Witch. They were never seen again, but their footage was recovered and it was cut together into a movie. Yeah. So Dan Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez put together their story based kind of on the Salem witch trials mm-hmm. a little bit. They liked the idea of uh, people being demonized for behavior that they're not even doing. You're right. a witch, so that justifies us pressing stones. Right. You know, stoning you to death and burning you at the stake. And being worse than what we're even accusing you of. Right. Exactly. So uh, a lot of the legend of uh, that first movie that the film students learn about, before they ever go to the woods, they interview people in Burkittsville, Maryland. Right. Now, in the movie itself, in the Blair Witch Project 1999, the original movie, it opens with the three students walking around town, talking to people around Burkittsville, asking them if they've heard of the Blair Witch. Uh, and all of them have because mm-hmm. she's a local legend. Uh, but here's how that was accomplished. Yeah. They asked – Actual people mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the directors planted actors around town. Right. So they might walk up to somebody who's a waitress in a diner and ask it's her if so she knows awesome. about the Blair Witch and she would suddenly start telling them what she's heard about her. Right. Uh, and 
they don't know who's an actor <laughs> and who's an actual person. Right. And there are actual people, real people that lived in Burkittsville, Maryland at the time of filming that are in the final movie. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. It's so sweet. So, uh, for example, they talk to an old man who tells them about a guy named Rustin Parr who was a kind of an old hermit that lived in the woods and uh, was responsible for killing a bunch of kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, See, he took these kids into his home, and then he would take them two by two into the basement, and he'd make one stand facing the corner while he killed the other one, and then he'd kill that one. Yeah. He didn't want the the kid to watch him. Two by two. That story just alone is so freaky. This is in the 1940s. Yeah. So not that long ago. Right. Uh, And then Rustin Parr comes down out of the woods one day and he walks into the local uh, grocery store and he says, I'm finished now. Nobody knows what the hell he's talking about. finished now. They just know that these kids have been going missing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they find out about all the kids that he killed. One survived. I'll get into that. Mm -hmm. Kyle Brody. Mm -hmm. They talk to a woman who's carrying a baby. This woman... Uh, was not a plant. Yeah. But when they asked her if she knows about the Blair Witch, just went, yep, I know about the Blair Witch, and starts talking about how she saw a documentary on TV or something. She's so good. Must have seen it on the Discovery Channel or something. Anyway, it was about ghosts and legends. She saw that it was about two men out hunting, how they disappeared and they were never seen again, disappeared off the face of the earth. As she's telling this story, the baby she's carrying, it's like a two-year-old or something, is getting so scared and covering her ears, tries to cover her mother's mouth at one point. That woman just started telling that story. So good. And it was so perfect. Yeah. They had to put it in the movie. Yeah. Lightning in a bottle. Really, honestly. Mm -hmm. Really unbelievable. Yes, absolutely. How likely was that? It's insane. They must have just been like... Well, they don't know who's, I mean, in the moment, they don't know who's a plant no. and not. But when they looked the at the directors. footage and, and heard yep. the people, they're like, wait, do we hire her? Yeah. Because it's also, uh, it, it's worth mentioning that the way this movie was made was incredibly unconventional. Right. Uh, Dan Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez wrote a 35-page script. Mm-hmm. And script is essentially just like beat by beat what should happen. Almost like how Curb Your Enthusiasm is right. done. Larry David will be like, we fight about me losing the TV remote. Right. All right, action. It's a good fight. And then you just act it out. Yeah. Uh, that's how they did the Blair Witch. Even further than that, though, because it's found footage, they deliberately hired uh, an actor, Joshua Leonard, because he knew how to work a camera. Right. The actors in the movie, there are three of them, Heather, Mike, and Josh. They are the camera people and sound people of the Blair Witch Project. For yeah. real. Yeah. Uh, they were left to uh, walk around in the woods and stuff. Uh, the crew would be camped like a mile or two away. They could communicate with a walkie-talkie. They had a safe word if something went wrong, which was taco. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by and large, they would just, uh, in the morning, leave a little care package with a little bit of food and say... <laughs> with a little bit of teeth and hair? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> and be like, walk south today. Right. Walk to the creek. And you're going to argue about the map. I guarantee you I would get lost even with that crew with me and everything. Like, Without a doubt. You're trying to walk south right now? Yeah. Where, where the hell? We're not to find south. No. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and so that's how the movie was made Mm -hmm. so uh within the movie they interview people that talk about local legends of the blair witch heather talks about this um uh, cemetery where most of the graves are children and nobody seems to want to talk about that really uh they meet a woman named mary brown whose gate to her uh trailer is made up of twigs that are tied together with twine yeah and she's a very frightening woman who talks about how she saw the witch as a child and uh the witch appeared to her as a, a tall creature wearing a shawl, and she was covered in fine hair, like a like a like a Ugh. horse. 
you know, like horse hair. Um, fine hair. And P.S. Horse hair is not fine. No, it's not. <laughs> That's a coarse hair. That is not fine by me. Uh, they meet two fishermen who are arguing with each other about the mm-hmm. Blair Witch and talking about how there are stupid kids out here that are always, you know, getting lost in the woods and stuff. Um, all of this sets up them actually going into the woods and encountering the following. They find seven uh, cairns. These are like little piles of it's rocks. It's my favorite words and things. A cairn, yeah. Uh, they eventually, uh, they, they are sleeping. They keep getting lost. They keep walking in circles. So somehow they keep going back to where they first started, which seems impossible. Mm-hmm. They can't seem to get out. Uh, they're in the woods for way longer than they plan to be. They're in the woods for about seven days. Uh, they encounter one night the sounds of children laughing and pushing in the sides of their tent. Yeah, yeah. When they get outside the tent, there's nobody to be seen. And yet, as they're running off into the night, you hear Heather going, What the fudge is that? Yeah. What the fudge is that? Freaking out. You don't even see it. She doesn't turn the camera just right. When they filmed it, there was a person there running alongside yep. them wearing all white. But they didn't turn the camera, so it didn't show up, creating one of the best perfect. moments in any movie. Completely perfect. Screaming, what is that? The audience can't see it. Uh, so you so are like, what is that? Yeah. Lights on fire. Yep. Uh, they wake up one morning, and there are three more piles of rocks outside their tents. Uh-oh, there were seven before. Rustin Parr had seven victims, and now here are three outside our tents. There are three of us. Yeah. Not only that, Josh's bag is covered in some sort of an ectoplasm-type goo. He goes missing. This movie is sweet as hell. Oh, it's so good. Ugh. Anyway, sorry. Josh goes missing. Heather finds uh, a little satchel of twigs with uh, what looks like a ripped piece of Josh's shirt, and when she opens it up, there's a bunch of blood, uh, little pieces of flesh and teeth in there. Mm-hmm. And then they disgusting. find Rustin Parr's house. The serial killer from the 40s who abducted eight children and killed seven and made one stand in the corner. They find his house. And they go walking through, uh, screaming for Josh. This is now Mike and Heather running around. Can't find him. Mike goes into the basement. Something goes wrong. Heather follows Mike into the basement and sees him standing in the corner. When suddenly there's a thud. Her camera drops to the ground and the movie is over. No one has seen these kids since. It's so good. I remember seeing that movie in the theater so well. I was very freaked out. Like, I knew that it was fake and everything, but it's just so good and so freaky. I remember on the way home that we drove by, like, probably just power lines. There was something like that. But I remember thinking they, like, kind of looked like the stick men. Right, right, And I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to, uh, to, uh, Burkittsville recently, mm-hmm. uh, sometime in the last year, beginning of this year. Yeah. Um, I went to Burkittsville, uh, with CWS of Behind True Crime, mm-hmm. uh, from Hunter Killer. Uh, and I deb- deliberately stole a bunch of sticks and made stick men myself. Yeah. Uh, so using actual sticks from Burkittsville. Uh, now I do want to point out that, uh, the stick men in the movie are not from Burkittsville. They're of from course, Black of course, Hills of course. Woods. That was another couple hours away. We did not go that far. So my stick men are not authentic. I think they're pretty close. I think that's a pretty great representation. I will go to the Black Hills Woods one day, though. Yes. I warn you. And also one time, so Will made a a handful of those. I have a couple at home. One time I was watching Will's dog while he was gone, and I took the liberty of stringing up a bunch of those stick men above where we sit to record the podcast, not unlike the stick men are hanging from the trees in the movie. Yes, and I still kept one of them hanging above our head every night when we record this show. Yeah. There's uh, a stick man. There's a stick man hanging above us. Yeah. Um, I have them in the Blessing windows us. here, and I always wonder if like school kids walk by and yeah. see the stick man and stuff. Um, so that's Blair Witch, the movie. Right. Now, within there, all they really ever talked about 
was like a woman floating off the ground covered in horse hair. Right. Uh, there was also a story about a, uh, a girl that went missing named Robin Weaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a search team went out to find her. And then that search team was later found on Coffin Rock. Yeah. In the Black Hills Woods. Coffin disemboweled Rock. with strange symbols carved on their skin, tied hand to foot to each other. Yeah. Uh, none of them mention... Uh, a woman named Ellie Kedward. Mm-hmm. Nothing in the Blair Witch Project mentions right. this person. However, Ellie Kedward is the person uh, that is believed to be the Blair Witch herself. Mm-hmm. But where people did hear about her was in Curse of the Blair Witch. Hell yeah. A, a short uh, fake documentary that aired on the Sci-Fi Channel before yeah. the Blair Witch Project came out. Yeah. Uh, it was also found footage. This was interviews with uh, family members of the cast. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Heather Donahue's uh, film teacher. Uh, and uh, they like show a weird old witchcraft show that's like a public access yeah. kind of show. It's with, sweet. Oh, it's great. And they talk about the legend of Ellie Kedward, mm-hmm. this woman. The legend of Ellie Kemper. The L- <laughs> She's the done well for herself. She has. Uh, who in 1785... Uh, a bunch of children in the township of Blair, mm-hmm. which would later become known as Burkittsville. In Blair, many of the children said that Ellie Kedward took them back to her home and tried to draw their blood. Yeah. Now, uh, the townsfolk, seeing this as some sort of dark witchcraft, banished her to the woods. Mm-hmm. In the wintertime, many of her accusers and half the town's children turned up dead. Yeah. Uh, and Not so, so hot. And so, essentially, because of that, many people go... Ellie Kedward is the witch. I say no. Nay. I say nay. Uh, however, many people have seen the image of an old woman in the woods. Mm-hmm. Just like Eileen Treacle, one of the first settlers of Burkittsville. For you see, after <laughs> Ellie Kedward was banished and uh, all those people turned up dead, yeah. everybody fled the town of Blair. Right. All right? And then it's later on, somebody start to uh, found the town of Burkittsville. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these original settlers is Eileen Treacle, who on a great harvest... Name. Great name. I can't get enough of the name Eileen Treacle. I completely agree. Who on a harvest festival day goes too near the Tappy East Creek Ooh. and witnesses say they see a ghostly white hand reach out of the water pulling her under. <sighs> Eileen Treacle's body is not found. She somehow drowned in about two inches of water. Right. little creek. And then uh, uh, not uh, long after, the creek is clogged up with oily bundles of sticks, rendering the water unpotable for 13 days. So awesome. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Um, That's where people get the idea that Ellie Kedward is the witch. Right, right. And then it's really enhanced from there in Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. A sequel which came out one year later. Enhances everything, if you ask me. Oh, my God. Now, this is one of the most notoriously terrible movies of all time. Yes, and I love it. Blair Witch was a mega smash hit. Mm-hmm. It was one of the most, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, the highest return rate, like, from yeah, budget to, yeah. why am I feeling the box office? Yeah, yeah uh-huh. it was mo- one of yeah. the most profitable movies mm-hmm. of all time. Uh, created its own genre of yep. found footage, essentially. And then uh, even at like Sundance where they aired it, they did crazy cool stuff. They put up missing posters yeah. of Heather, Josh, and Mike uh, to make people really think that these people had gone missing. Right. On IMDb, they they listed the main actors as missing and presumed dead. Right. 
which is so awesome. I remember the website that they had put up before the movie came out. Yeah, like yeah. it was, a, it was the missing persons things were on the website. The website was one of the biggest things mm-hmm. going for it. Yeah. Um, it's one of the, the first examples of like really effective online marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people attribute that to the actual success of the Blair Witch Project. The fact that they had this really interesting website where you could go to view videos and behind the scenes story. Yeah. And uh, it made it feel a lot more authentic. It was very immersive. Yeah, absolutely. I remember being f- obsessed with that. I thought it was so awesome. Oh, so cool. So anyway, one year later, they're trying to figure out how do we do a sequel to this thing? And they made every wrong decision. It is so nuts, this movie. Book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 is essentially... Uh, like uh, an example of what not to do. It's like a 180 degree turn. It is such a bonkers movie where like Blair Witch is understated and kind of slow and lets things happen organically. This is like fast cuts and like cool music. And it is the weirdest movie. I love it to be clear. Oh, I love it. I love watching this movie. I have a blast with it. Yes. It starts. But it stinks. It starts great. And some things on paper are okay. Yeah. Uh, it's directed by Joe Berlinger, uh-huh. who did the Paradise Lost. Trilogy. Who does good things. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and uh, it starts with a character named Josh. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, Jeff. I'm sorry. Jeff. Uh, and he lives in Burkittsville. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes this movie makes is they make the Blair Witch Project a movie yeah. within the reality of Blair Witch 2. Yeah. So Jeff is a big fan of the movie, The Blair Witch Project, and living in Burkittsville, he's made a little cottage industry doing things like selling stick men and going on guided tours. I think that that could be good. I think that there could be a way that you do that and it's good, like that you're living in a post The Blair Witch Project world came out. I th- because yeah. if it's a documentary, The Blair Witch Project, if we're assuming that this thing that they put out is real and it's not hokey and you're just like, man, those kids disappeared not far from us, that could be good. It could be. You could do it correctly. Yeah. Like any story can be told right, but it can also right. be told wrong. Yes. You could have done what they did do right yes. after the first movie came out. They released this dossier. Mm-hmm. This is a book. Uh, written by a guy named D.A. Stern that essentially it's really, really good. It's one of the, it's one of my favorite yeah. books, full yeah. stop. Uh, uh, the Blair Witch dossier. I highly recommend everybody read it. Um, or listen to our review on Book yeah. Club Schmook Club, our previous show. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, explains some of the events of the Blair Witch project. Um, uh, such as facts that, uh, uh, lend a creepier air to mm-hmm. things that happen in the movie. Yeah. The Blair Witch Project ends with Heather, Mike, and Josh running through Rustin Parr's house. Uh, this book uh, makes it more clear that that house burned down decades right. ago. Right. So this kind of like, it messes with your concept of the timeline and how this could be possible. Right. Like, how did they, what are they talking about? When is this written? It's, yep. it messes with you. And it that does things on both sides. Right. So how could they be walking around that house if it burned down mm-hmm. decades ago? That suggests the paranormal. Right. But then they also say that the soil uh, has like opium in it. Yeah. Which suggests that maybe these people went crazy, lost right. in the woods all this time, and essentially killed themselves and each other right. uh, in a manic you know, blur. Mm-hmm. And what's nice is that it doesn't retcon it. It doesn't take no. away from what you saw. It, it just builds on it and makes you wonder about what you saw, but it's not like, well, this couldn't have been real. It was still their experience either way. Right. But like, how did that become their experience? Yeah. Then? No, this book, the Blair Witch dossier is a wonderful yes and yeah. of the Blair Witch project. <laughs> You're right. And one of the things that they do is they talk about how a couple of filmmakers were tasked with going through all the, the endless hours of footage that Heather, Mike, and Josh shot and cutting it into a film. Yeah. And the fact that the family of these people are uh, are of mixed opinion mm-hmm. of whether or not that was a good thing to do. You could have taken that idea for a sequel mm-hmm. and been like, 
that's true. The movie starts with like they they were never seen again, but their footage was found. Right. So, so like who, who are the people who did this? Yeah. So you could pick up from there mm-hmm. and have the Blair Witch Project be a movie right. that was massively, massively successful and look at what happened mm-hmm. as a result of that. But no, they say it was a fictional story. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm and, not saying that that's a good idea. Right. Right. Yeah. So so Jeff in the in Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, is obsessed with the fictional movie, Blair Witch Project, and mm-hmm. takes a bunch of people on guided tours of the Black Hills woods. Yeah. They say that the movie is based on a real legend. Right. So that's how they kind of fudge it a little bit. Right. Uh, it's a mess. It's too hard to explain to really get into. Um, but there's like a couple that's writing a book about folklore. Um, there is a witch. Yeah. Like there's a... Yeah, like uh, like a Wiccan or a pagan. I'm not sure which one, but a yeah, goth character. Yeah, she's taking a nap on a coffin. Oh, she, she's uh, like, it's, uh, yeah, 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 uh, on Treacle's coffin. Yes, yeah. Uh, when the movie it's opens, so good. Uh, and they just kind of kill each other. Mm-hmm. It's uh, pretty much. It's a real mess. Yeah, sometimes uh, there's sex and nakedness. It's a very like yeah, sort of early 2000s or late 90s kind of right. movie. The way you can look at it, and this is kind of the way that I do look at yeah. it. The Blair Witch Project sets up all these legends, and then they pretty much go off and do the Rustin Parr one. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. It's all about they're all going there for the witch, but then they end up at Rustin Parr's house. Right. Seven Cairns on the ground. They're facing the corner at the end of the movie. It seems to shift from. This legend of a lady that was banished to the woods and haunts the place mm-hmm. to here's this serial killer. Yeah. Like, it, it's and maybe was that, he like influenced by the lady who haunts the place? Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, he is said to have heard voices of somebody right. telling him to do these things, an old woman. Right. But like, you could make a, a very compelling argument that the supernatural force in the Blair Witch Project is mm-hmm. not the witch. Mm-hmm. It's Rustin Parr. Absolutely. It's the ghost of Rustin Parr. Yeah. It completely. Yeah. That, that's really what makes, the, that's that. what makes the most sense by far. Yeah. There, I've seen countless theories online saying mm-hmm. that, like, uh, Josh killed Mike and Heather. Yeah, Mike yeah. killed Josh and Heather. Right. Heather killed Josh and Mike. Josh and Mike teamed up to kill Heather. And I don't see anybody going, like, well, wait a minute. There's this one legend, and then everything seems to follow that. Yeah, all around. You go to Rustin Parr's house, not yeah. the witch's house. Come on. Yeah. Come on. It seems obvious. Yes. So I think that the, the nose sequel, on your face. The sequel seems to follow, I think... The story of Coffin Rock and Robin yeah. Weaver. Yeah. Uh, the, all those people that went out to find the little girl who went missing had symbols carved on them. Right. The characters in Book of Shadows have symbols carved on them. Right. A little girl shows up at one point. Yep. That is the ghost of Eileen Treacle. She yes. wiggles around and yeah. it's really stupid looking. Yep. Um, they, they tried to do a whole thing with like the, the, the footage. Like yeah. finding their own footage. Yeah, there's were... like lost time uh, that it's... they're reviewing footage to fill in the cracks of. Right. It actually, that again, could be kind of cool. It it's kind all... of yeah. sweet that they're reviewing this footage and there seems to be nothing there. But then it's just kind of like smushed in real quick of yep. them doing crazy like murderous stuff. Yep, absolutely. It's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I mean, some of the ideas are great. And yeah. there is a theory out there that the original intention of Joe Berlinger mm-hmm. was essentially steamrolled over by the student yeah, yeah. who saw what he was doing as something that was uh, uh, less approachable and understandable than what yeah. they wanted. And so they added in footage right. of people being murdered uh, and recut everything and put Marilyn Manson music on it. Yeah. So there are petitions online for them to release the director's oh, cut really? of Book of Still? Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. And there are people that have made Sign fan up. cuts of the movie mm-hmm. uh, based on comments Joe Berlinger has made about what his original vision was like. Yeah. Um, so there is a chance that there's a good movie hiding in Yeah, I think Blair he's a, a good filmmaker, so I'm not I don't not believe that. And there's a whole game in the movie too about things mm-hmm. being in reverse. Right. Look up the secret of S Rever. Yeah. Oh. In relation I don't to Book of Shadows, Blair Witch. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm not going to say anything more. About okay. It. But they also tried to release their own dossier. Uh-huh. Uh, going from uh, the Blair Witch Project dossier to being, being one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. This is a big snoozer. Uh, it's also Less written by... successful. Yeah, it's written by D.A. Stern again, mm-hmm. um, who does a damn good job of trying to make the characters... Yeah, but there's just like interesting, but it's very hard. The source material, first of all, like there was kind of like nice bare bones that you could build musculature onto for the book from from movie to book for the other one. This one had way too much musculature to begin with. There's not that much you can do with it. No, no. But they do weird things where they suggest that a ghost haunts an online chat. Oh, that's right. I love that part. <sighs> that happens in the book. I forgot about so that. That's cool. That's good. Yeah, oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, what's the ghost? It has like a screen name and everything. Or no, it's taking over somebody else's screen name. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. Uh, book of Shadows Blair Witch 2 basically killed the franchise. Yes. It did poorly. It was yes. incredibly negatively reviewed. Right. Uh, but still rumors of a third Blair Witch movie persisted mm-hmm. for over a decade. Yeah. Um, saying like, oh, is it going to be found footage again? They can't really do that again. What are they going to do? They've already said that the Blair Witch Project is a movie within the real world. This is pre-common reboot culture. Right. So it wasn't a normal thing to be like, just erase that second movie and do a new one. Yeah. Um, and there were constantly uh, discussions of doing a period piece about mm-hmm. Ellie Kedward, mm-hmm. going back and telling the story of the witch in 1785 mm-hmm. uh, and what happened to her and how this whole thing got started. Very slow, yeah. methodical period piece. I'll still take it. You know what? It would be sweet if they did. You know how like there's obviously a real trend toward TV and a lot of things in horror in particular, like there's good horror on TV. Yeah. Um, it would be sweet if they did kind of like a prequel Blair Witchy thing maybe on TV. If there was some sort of thing about Ellie Kedward and or Rustin Parr you know, and the whole gang. Yeah. I have good news for you. What? They're working on a Blair Witch TV show. Really? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I knew that. Yeah. Eduardo Sanchez. And that kind of rings a bell. I think I knew that already. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, that idea, though, the period mm-hmm. piece about the witch. Yeah. Uh, the movie The Witch. Yeah. Which came out two years ago mm-hmm. uh, and is a, an amazing movie. Yeah. If anybody has not seen it out there. Yeah. Uh, it's called like The Witch in Northeastern Folklore. Something like that. Something like that. In my head, that's the that's the prequel. Yeah. You know, I know well, it's not. But Interesting. In, my, in my head, mm-hmm. that or an event very similar I to like that, that happened uh, and that created the haunting of the, huh. the Black Hills. That place. works for me. Clickety clackety. Uh, clickety clackety. I am the witch of the woods. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. Oh, that movie is great. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it makes solid watching with the Blair Witch movies. Too. Yeah, that makes sense. I've never thought about that before. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about some of the uh, real obscure storytelling of okay. the Blair Witch because people know about the movies. Yep. Um, but before they made that movie a couple years ago, right. Blair Witch by Adam Wingard and Simon Barrett, mm-hmm. uh, there were a bunch of other things that came out. I'm not going to get too, too into them because sure. I'm already talking a lot. But uh, there I'm are a bunch it. of comic books. Usually what they do is they either retell the events of Rustin Parr killing those kids mm-hmm. or the story of Ellie Kedward or the drowning of Eileen, uh, Eileen Treacle or yeah. Robin Weaver going missing. Or they tell stories about people that are caught up in the witch's magic. Mm-hmm. So there's like a guy who loses his vision. Yeah. She like takes his eye and he can still see through it in the woods. Cool. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, there's a guy that becomes like obsessed with the Blair Witch. Uh-huh. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Uh, but there are many. So if you sweet. want to look them up, look up the Blair Witch Chronicles. That's a four issue series. I forgot that that was a thing. You could also look up Blair Witch Dark Testaments. Uh, and then there was a comic book that they just called The Blair Witch Project, but it was put up by Oni Press. So you could probably find it that way. Cool. Uh, those are all right. 
I was like, are they good? What uh, you- I enjoy them, yeah. but I wouldn't recommend them to anybody who's okay. not going to be a super fan about it. Yeah. Uh, I have this. This is called Wood Witch Said. Uh, it's frequently referenced as a book that, uh, uh, was like put together by a cult. Yeah. The Blair Witch cult. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people don't necessarily realize that it actually exists, mm-hmm. but it does. It's, it's very, uh, visual. Yeah. Heavy. It's almost like a, like a photo book kind of thing of a lot of the artwork from the comic books and stuff, I think is, is reprinted here. Yeah. Uh, short stories and stuff. It's cool. Um, yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, D.A. Stern wrote another couple of books. He wrote, uh, Blair Witch, The Secret Confession of Rustin Parr. Mm-hmm. This is essentially Rustin Parr's, uh, uh, autobiography. I yeah. Think. Um, he also wrote another book called Blair Witch, The Graveyard Shift, which is only available on Kindle, which oh. I have. Uh, and I read it and I don't remember what it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't read that. Okay. But here are, uh, you know, let me get out some of the other small ones and I want to tell you about the ones that I really like. Yeah. They also made, uh, after, uh, Blair Witch Book of Shadows, mm-hmm. Book of Shadows of Blair Witch 2. Right. They started releasing young adult novels called the Blair Witch Files. <laughs> so funny. Uh, there are eight of them. I have two of them. Yeah. Uh, they are very literally, uh, standalone stories that are tangentially connected to the uh rumors of the Blair Witch. Right. Uh, and they are about a character named Cade Merrill, who is Heather Donahue's cousin, and uh-huh. he's trying to figure out what happened to Heather. Yeah. Uh and so uh yeah, I think there's even a contest at the end of these uh that are like, hey, you want to be in Blair Witch 3? Right. Enter this contest. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, win a trip to the set of Blair Witch. Yeah. Amazing. Experience the horror of Blair Witch 3 up close. Tell us your brush with the supernatural in 150 words or less and enter to win an all-expense paid trip to the set of Blair Witch 3. Mm. Uh, but uh, at a certain point, it was clear that they were never going to make that movie. Right. And so people got like $1,000 and stuff. Yeah. That's amazing. Kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Now, here are the ones that I really, really like. These are the ones that really no one seems to know about. Yeah. There are Blair Witch video games. Mm-hmm. So around the year 2000, if you were a Blair Witch fan... Yeah. 2000 was the year for you. Yeah, this big is like year. And everything comes out basically. Uh, they released three games. These three games are made by three different developers. Oh, they were all that's released weird. in the same year. Damn. Uh, the third one they made, I'm going to go in reverse order because the first yep. one is the one I actually like, was called uh, Blair Witch Volume 3, The Ellie Kedward Tale. Uh, you play as like a demon hunter in Ellie Kedward's time and you fight a giant monster. Scary. Okay. Uh, Blair Witch Volume 2, The Legend of Coffin Rock. This retells the Robin Weaver story. Uh, you play as a resurrected. American Revolutionary War soldier? Boy, there's a lot. Who That's came a lot. Back from the dead to find Robin Weaver? Okay. Okay. And then here is Blair Witch Volume 1, Rustin Parr. Mm-hmm. You play as a character named Elsbeth Doc yeah. Holiday. Okay. Doc Holiday. Yeah. She works for an organization called Spook House. Okay. Uh, this is all uh, the developers of this game, Terminal Reality. They're also the developers of the really excellent Ghostbusters video game. That, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis wrote, Bill Murray, and uh, yeah. uh, everybody came back for it. Um, uh, they made a game called Nocturne, mm-hmm. which was about this organization called Spook House. Cool. Uh, it's basically also kind of uh, X-Files-ish. They hear about supernatural events. They go and investigate it. So uh, when they were commissioned to make a game of the Blair Witch, they were like, well, our story is old time. Yeah. Let's just use our characters. Right. So they had their character from Spook House being ordered uh, by her bosses uh, to go investigate Burkittsville, Maryland, where a guy named Rustin Parr just killed a bunch of people and they think something paranormal might be happening there. Cool. 
So you go to the town of Burkittsville. You can walk around. You can go to the diner. Uh, you can meet a bunch of people. Yeah. You meet uh, Kyle Brody, the one child who escaped Rustin Parr. Okay. Left alive. Uh-huh. You can walk through the Black Hills woods and investigate. You go to Rustin Parr's house. Um, and here are some things that you learn that I personally consider to be kind of canon to cool. the story. Uh Kyle Brody was sort of in on it. Yeah. The witch was telling uh. Rustin Parr what to do to kidnap the kids. Yeah. She was also sort of possessing Kyle Brody. Yeah. Um, and so he is the sole survivor. Okay. But as the victim, he's able to continue on evil work. Yeah. There's also an evil pastor who's helping all these events happen and the witch control the town. Cool. Quick question about your view of canon. Because this is how I kind of feel sometimes. Do you think that you take things as you'll be like, okay, so I take this as canon because you like it. If you if you don't like it, would you just be like, yeah, it's not canon. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Okay, just curious. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's personal to each person. Like right. again, like I always view like everything that you enjoy is like you personalize it to yourself. So like, yeah, you know, somebody may make something a certain way, but I take it in differently from what they intended. Right. And what I get from it is what I want. Right. You know? But also like somebody is making something with the intention of it all tying in. Well, you know, what I'm thinking of in particular doesn't really apply to this. If the same people who had made the Blair Witch Project made this, it'd be a different kind of issue. Then. Okay. This is different. So it's like, it's just canon in your mind. It's not officially like when right. George Lucas says like, yes, this is part of the Star right. Wars universe. I'm thinking about specifically the fantastic beast and where to find the movies which jk rowling has a hand in right and there are things in this new trailer that i don't consider canon but if i'm objective and i'm like well i guess jk rowling wrote that and she wrote harry potter so if she says if she says it's true it's true right but i've separated them in my mind where i'm like nope that's not the that's not the seven books reject what you want to reject and uh keep in what you want to keep in yeah nagini is not a lady to harry potter belongs to all of us that's right yeah it's true that's that's kind of how I feel about yeah. stuff. Um, so in this, uh, you go to so okay yeah. So here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. How best to even say this? So I <sighs> was I was uh, at the height of my obsession was 2016 when the new movie was coming. Uh huh. The Blair Witch. Yeah, uh, it's fair to say they had been uh, hyping up a movie called The Woods. Right. For like I know a I year, love this whole thing for like a year or something, and they had all these posters of looking up at the trees in the woods, almost if you were lying on the forest floor. Yeah. And the tagline was, "There's something hidden in the woods." Mm-hmm. And then at I think a Comic Con or you know one of those things, uh, they had a screening. So yeah. everybody files into this auditorium to watch The Woods. There's something hidden in the woods. And as it starts, they start talking about the Blair Witch in the movie, and it becomes abundantly clear that this movie is the third Blair Witch. They've made it, and it's out, and it's done, and we're watching it right now. Yeah. And when the lights come on, all of the advertising material, all the posters on the wall that said the woods, there's yeah. something hidden in the woods, had been switched I know, while the I movie was playing. I love that. And they were all replaced by posters for Blair Witch. Mm-hmm. And those trees that we were looking up at from the forest floor, they meet in the middle, and they form the iconic Blair Witch Stickman. Yeah. That's um, one of my favorite, I mean, I don't know how many favorites I can call up automatically, but one of my favorite advertising campaigns things ever i love that whole thing i, I love that it's yeah. such a brilliant it's so idea. cool and so exciting it is the, the the phrase there's something hidden in the woods is so perfectly yeah. designed it drives me nuts yeah so um that movie blair witch uh a lot of people hate it really really like hate it. it they went back to the found footage idea they kind of amped it up because mm-hmm. now everybody has a camera you're we're following something like five people right in the woods uh, everybody has a camera, like a little thing, almost like a Bluetooth headset on their ear. Mm-hmm. So it's almost less found footage and more, uh, point of view. Yeah. You have everybody's point of view. 
Uh, they have a drone. They're able to fly the drone up and look at the woods from above. Um, similar to Blair Witch 1, uh, they get lost in the woods mm-hmm. uh, and paranormal things happen. Now, there's something going on with Blair Witch fans. Yeah. Where they think you can explain everything uh, with real life terms. Uh-huh. That somehow Heather, Josh, and Mike just went crazy. Right. And got lost and went nuts and, and died somehow. Yeah. Killed each other. Everyone's wrong. Mm-hmm. Blair Witch Project is a paranormal movie. Yeah. There are supernatural things happening that for some reason people ignore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and Blair Witch, the new one, dials it up. Yeah, I haven't thought that much about... P- I mean, I know that there's that's a theory that it's yeah. not paranormal, but like, I don't think it's that... I don't know. I just don't feel that at all. So there's that, and there's also the fact that people were like, Blair Witch Project never shows you anything. Right. You never see anything. So you make it up in your mind's eye. Blair Witch, they show you stuff. And yeah. People really rejected that. They're like, that's not what the original movie was. Right. To which my response was always, you're right. Yeah. This isn't the original movie. This is a new movie. Yeah. You've got to, you got to, you got to, at some point, when if you're going to keep mm-hmm. making these movies, and they are, no matter what, they're, they're going to make more. Yeah. They're going to make this show modern, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, franchise, yeah. franchises being what they are, nothing is going to go away. Mm-hmm. We're going to see a million more Blair Witch movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to happen. It makes money. Yeah. Uh, well, did this, this didn't make that much money. It did. Oh, really? It did. They oh, made okay. back their money. They hit, they kept, sh- they kept changing the goalposts. Yeah. Cause I kept hearing that they wanted to hit X number of dollars. Yeah. And they did. And then I kept hearing them go, well, we really want to make this number okay. of dollars. And they didn't. Okay. And so then they said it was a failure. Gotcha. Uh, that's my recollection. Of it. Okay. So, um, in the movie, characters are running around in the wood, the woods. Now there is <laughs> in the wood. In the wood. Now there is some question about did Rustin Parr bring people to the basement or to the attic? Mm-hmm. That's new. Yeah. I don't necessarily like it, but whatever. Yeah. Um, they add in, um, uh, there's a big long limbed monster running around in the woods. There's right. literally, it's like a monster movie. It's like a Bigfoot movie. Mm-hmm. They're running around in the woods. You hear something stomping around in the distance. You hear trees falling over. It's very frightening. They turn- I have to say, this is one of the actual scariest movies. Like, not necessarily best scary movies overall, but as far as me being tense and scared, this is one of the scariest movies to me. I think- it makes me very nervous yeah. and and scared. Blair Witch 2016 yeah. is one of my favorite film going experiences. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah. It was great. Um, when the lights came on. Yeah. When that movie ended, I felt like a little kid. I was so excited about what I had just seen. Yeah. And how tense it was and mm-hmm. how it made me claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's a character that crawls through a tunnel. I hate that part, actually. It is agonizing. <laughs> yeah. Agonizing. Yeah. Um, and it is very frightening. There's a wonderful haunted house. They go mm-hmm. back to Rustin Parr's house. The entire premise is that Heather's little brother... Uh, is trying to find her in the woods. Yeah. There's some ambiguity. A lot of people complain. They're like, why does he think he's going to find her? Like, <laughs> my theory is that, like, he's a little nuts. Yeah. He kind of does. They think, have a know, fair point. Yeah. They do. They yeah. do. But, like, but I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I understand it. Yeah. He thinks he's going to find her. What that means, realistically, mm-hmm. is find her body. Right. But to him, he's in denial about it a little bit. On some level, he does think he can find her and save her. And I think also that's on – you have to put emphasis on on some level. Like yes. I don't think he really, really thinks that. But I think he is hoping it. He thinks it's not impossible. There's something that sets his expectations that's, right. that's unusual. The movie opens. There's a video that's gone viral online that purports to be found from the Black, Will, Black Hills woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shows somebody running around with a camera. And then you can see an image of a woman. Right. And James thinks – 
oh my god heather went missing in those woods here's this like woman that's like covered in mud and blood in the woods could heather still be alive so it's sort of that sort of warps Mm -hmm. it as well he's got an expectation yeah so uh they they meet up with the guy that shot that footage and they go to the black hills woods and they talk about how when they were young uh, they remember being part of that search team that was trying to find Heather, mm-hmm. Mike, and Josh. Uh, side note, in the Blair Witch dossier, they talk about how the search teams were out there looking for them while they were still out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. while they're out there screaming Josh, right. people were out there screaming, Heather, Mike, Josh, and right. they cannot hear each other. Right. Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they find out, you know, crazy things happen in the movie from there. A character gets like a weird worm thing in her leg. It's very oh, it's gross. so gross. Very gross. But, and it's just also just tagged on. It's just a body horror thing for no reason. It does feel like it's out of nowhere yeah. and for nothing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. They turn the stickmen into voodoo dolls. You mm-hmm. snap one in half and it snaps a person in half, which yeah. I found very alarming. I was about to say, it was sweet though. Yeah, I'm fine yeah. with that. I'm yeah. fine with that. Uh, and then they end up back at Rustin Parr's house again, mm-hmm. which once again burned down decades ago. Right. Mm. How could it be there? As they're running around in the house, they create the footage yeah. they saw in the beginning of the movie. Yes. The woman so that, it's a time thing. The woman that James saw in the footage was his friend Lisa, his on again, off again girlfriend Lisa, mm-hmm. who catches her own reflection in the in the mirror. She's covered with mud because she'd been crawling around in a tunnel underground. Yeah. Uh, and James who's been trying to find his sister all this time. Uh, two things. One, uh, Lisa is a, a an obnoxious film student, mm-hmm. similar to how Heather was. Mm-hmm. So in a weird way, he he gravitated to someone yeah. who was like the person he was chasing, his sister. Right. Uh, two, I think he literally sees his sister. Mm-hmm. In the movie, James comes face-to-face with a ghost dressed very similarly to Heather Donahue yeah. from the first movie. I think he found her. And in trying to find her, like many people in horror movies, he got his wish, but it was twisted. Yeah. And he lost his life for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa and James find themselves in the attic of Rustin Parr's house, facing oh, the corner. That's so scary. As this long-limbed monster chases them around this terrifying haunted house. Yeah, and you barely see it, too. You barely see glimpses see it. of it. It's it is one of the, freaky. The best haunted house sequences I've seen in a movie in years. It honestly, we've it really is scary to me. We've talked about this on the show, like, oh, yeah, it's scary stuff, but are you scared? And I'm usually like, no, I think it's cool, and I like that it's scary-themed. Right. I found this scary. It's very scary. Yeah. They, they keep running upstairs, and they run upstairs, and they're in, like, a dirty house that's been, like, you know, the walls are caved and it's in. There's pouring dust rain. Like, like, yes. Yeah. And then they run upstairs again and it's the same yeah. hallway and it's as if it had been underwater. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it's almost like it's a ghost ship. Mm-hmm. Um, there are behind the scenes features on the Blu-ray that explain that they built that house mm-hmm. and how they did the camera trickery to, to suddenly make you be in the same hallway again, but it's different. It's aged more. Yeah. There's something going on with time in the Blair Witch, uh, in the original movie. Uh, in the sequel, Book of Shadows, because mm-hmm. their stuff gets reversed, and in right. the new one. Something has to do with time travel in the Blair Witch movies. Uh, there's even a shot in Blair Witch where they're in the attic, and all of a sudden, blinding white light so cool. blasts in through the boards for just a second, then goes away. Never explained. Yeah. Was that a spaceship, or was that a day passing yeah. rapidly? They've been trapped in endless night for days. Right. Um. So anyway, they're facing the corner. As the monsters uh, uh, clomping through. They're now saying that you have to face the corner so the monster won't take you. Right. Another sort of bastardization of the original legend. Yes. But my feeling is that uh, legends are malleable. We've talked about it on Guys yeah. Known with many things. It's up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. I almost think that the the monsters in the woods bend mm-hmm. to your interpretation. Yeah, they respond to what your interpretation of it is. And also they can't look at it directly. Yep. 
Yeah, what you what you hold true on earth, I'll hold mm-hmm. true in heaven. Yeah, that's something that God said once, I think. Yeah. So what you believe kind of is real. Yeah. Also about interpreting mm-hmm. media. Right. What you believe is really key. Yeah. So Josh and Lisa are facing the corner, uh, and then Josh thinks he hears Heather. Rustin oh, Parr thought he man. heard voices. Sad. Everyone thought they heard voices. Yeah. And he turns around and he's yanked away, leaving Lisa alone. And then she turns the camera. So that she can film behind herself and see the little LCD screen, recreating the shot of Heather Donahue from the original movie where she says, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she's trying to walk through the house backwards until she hears James whisper her name. Yep. She drops her guard for a second, turns around, and is taken. Camera falls to the ground. The over. The over. The The over. The over. So uh, I say all of this to talk about time. And I say it to talk about the video game. Okay. There is a scene. Tell me. A little story about time in a video game. There's a scene in this video game that takes place in the 1940s mm-hmm. where Doc Holliday, this character who's been sent to Burkittsville, Maryland to investigate Rustin Parr's killings. Yeah. She goes through the woods and she finds Rustin Parr's house. She hears screaming and she follows the screaming to the basement where there is somebody standing facing the corner and somebody else standing screaming at him holding a video camera on her shoulder when suddenly a demon slams her on the back of the head and she falls to the ground dead yeah in this obscure video game from the year 2000 one year Uh after the blair witch project came out they show you what happened to heather yeah heather was killed by a demon in the basement they showed it to us. The like great unseen thing. Yeah. One of the most iconic movie moments ever. Yeah. Is seen from another perspective in a video game released one year later and no one knows about it. It's so awesome. And it plays into the time travel thing yes. as well. 1940s, Big time. there's this detective person. I guess she was teleported to 1998 right. to see that event take place. Yeah. What's up with that? I thought you were about to blow my mind, although that does sound completely awesome. But it's tempered a little bit um, because I thought you were about to say, and then she goes upstairs to the attic and there's blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my God, Did the, the filmmakers were like all into right. this stuff and they watch it. That's still fully awesome. But well, I yeah. One of the things that I immediately on seeing the new Blair Witch movie. Yeah. Uh, thought as much as I loved it. I was like, it's a shame he didn't literally mm-hmm. find his sister alive. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have gone to the basement. I was really hoping I for that. I was so excited when I was too. When yeah. he goes into the basement, I was really excited because I was like, oh, we're going to see Mike face in the corner. We're going to see Heather. Yeah. And he's going to grab her shoulders scaring her she's gonna drop the Mm -hmm. camera creating the events of the finale of Blair Witch Project yeah and they're going to be like oh my god she's not even gonna recognize him because he was like a little boy that would have been when she disappeared and then the two of them Heather and James are gonna run off together and maybe they'll even escape yeah maybe they'll be the first two people to escape from the Black Hills Woods when the Blair Witch has you in her clutches. That would have been totally sweet. But no, I don't think Heather wanted anything to do with the franchise anymore. No, no. It's also worth pointing out. I was, just, I was really, really hoping. Movie. Those yes. performers got burned. Yes. Especially Heather. Mm-hmm. Uh, people said that she was like shrill yeah. and uh, unlikable and their their careers were almost destroyed off of totally. that insanely successful movie. I know. Only Josh really acts still today. Mm-hmm. Mike is going to be in a new show uh, from Dick Wolf called FBI. Oh, cool. That's coming out soon. Sweet. Um, I You're keep watching that. Stuff. I'm like at a Blair Witch Facebook group. They just did a yeah. Blair Witch experience Wait, in, really? in Burkittsville. Yeah. You're a Blair Witch Facebook group? Mm-hmm. Add me to that. I'll add you to it. Okay. Sure. They just did an event. There's a guy that does a lot of tours of Burkittsville. With oh, people. cool. They just did it for this year, but we should go next year. Or yeah, totally. Um. 
Yeah. So, uh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm going really, really long. No, I love this. I asked you to do it because I knew you don't have all this stuff. Let's bring it home. Okay. Let's bring it on home. What is the Blair Witch? Mm-hmm. What is she? Yeah. Is she that long limb monster running around in that house in the most recent movie? Right. A lot of people seem to think so. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were pissed about it. Right. Pissed. The original movie didn't show us anything. You're showing us everything. Yeah. Remind me where, it, where in this, as far as like which movie or book or whatever where does the stuff about her being strung up come into it is that in the third movie or what's it in that that's another one of the the things that they twist in the most recent movie they say that ellie kedward not only was she banished in Mm -hmm. the late 1700s she was strung up on a makeshift rack and she had her limbs pulled right so that's one of the ways that they try to explain this long limb monster at the end is that Mm -hmm. ellie kedward having having her limbs stretched yeah now here's what i'm going to say about that that monster might be ellie kedward right it might be. Mm-hmm. I think. It, I also think it might be Heather. Yeah. Somehow, just like warped by the woods. I love the I idea. No, that's a big coinky day. I know. Plus, James sees Heather's ghost, so that already. I don't think that. so. Yeah. Um, but I've thought about it. Yeah. Uh, I think it might be Ellie Kedward, mm-hmm. but I don't think Ellie Kedward is the witch. Yes, I, that's what I think. Rustin Parr said he heard voices. Mm-hmm. Robin Weaver said she saw an old lady. Right. Uh. Uh, Eileen Treacle was grabbed by a ghostly white hand and dragged into the creek. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ellie Kedward was blamed for taking people's blood and called a witch. There's nothing part of her legend where she says that she saw an old woman as well. Mm -hmm. I think she was purely a victim. Mm -hmm. I think that Ellie Kedward uh, was demonized and they used her to explain all the evil stuff that happens in the Black Hills Woods. But I believe the evil in the Black Hills Woods is much, much older probably timeless mm-hmm. one of the other things that happens in the blair witch video games from 2000 yeah is that you can go into the woods and you can meet a man who lives in a, sh- in a shack in the woods and he explains to you this ancient evil uh that uh native american tribes called hakaidamix mm-hmm. uh it is essentially just like a force it's yeah an old evil that has cursed this region this yeah. land that hakaidamix Academics is the demon that we see clock Heather right. on the back of the head in the game. Right. So it's a little cartoon. It's very Ghostbusters. Yeah, but it's almost as if Slimer walked in. The yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a metaphor still. Yeah. I view it as anyway. Mm-hmm. They call it Hakidemics. Mm-hmm. It's older than Ellie Kedward. Yeah. I call it unknowable. Yeah. I say it's not even called Hakidemics. They can call it in the game, but people are fallible. Yeah. And we see that time and time again in all these stories. People remember a story differently from each other mm-hmm. they retell it differently each time they tell it um and so i think that even going further back when you try to give it a name that's not its original name it's yeah. just a force it's right. just a thing it's just trying to make there. sense of a thing yes it's like twin peaks yes exactly and that's why the uh, there are a lot of twin peaks references in this game as well yeah uh, oh cool but that's why uh the strength i think of the blair witch and what i ultimately think the blair witch is mm-hmm. is storytelling yeah as dorky as this is to say not to turn into edutainment <laughs> yeah. but like like what we've been talking about, you you incorporate the things you like mm-hmm. into your interpretation of a story. Right. Um, and like we've talked about with monsters for the past year doing Guide to the Unknown, mm-hmm. they change by who told it. Totally. Everything goes back to like telling stories around the fire and, and you know, drawing stories on cave walls. Right. And uh, that's why they're the same version of something that's basically the same throughout different kinds of cultures and different yes. places and different times. Yes. The Blair Witch is nothing more than a way for humans, mm-hmm. modern humans, to try to explain something unknowable in the woods. Yeah, and that's pin why. it on something that they can understand so that they can vanquish. Yes, absolutely. And that's why everything yeah. goes back 
to 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 her. Everybody explains everything bad that happens mm-hmm. through the legend of the Blair Witch. Yeah, because she's conceivable. She's unknowable. Right. Uh, and this is all this is all what I thought anyway. Mm. And then I had really interesting. Um, uh, the writer of the most recent movie, Simon Barrett, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was very kind to me. He answered a bunch of questions of mine on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, when I first started the Haunted Sponge uh, page and everything. Uh, I just kept writing about the Blair Witch. Yeah. The, the original idea was I was going to write about anything I was obsessed with. Mm-hmm. But when I first started, I was only obsessed with the Blair Witch. And yeah. you find all my original blog posts and stuff on talkbomb.com. Uh, I kept writing about what is the Blair Witch? What do people think she is? Is she a Wendigo? Mm-hmm. I think maybe we talked about that in yep. the Wendigo episode. Probably. Um, is she an actual witch herself? Is she all these people? What is she? Whatever. Uh, and people have been asking Simon Barrett online, uh, you know, why just show the witch in the movie? That yeah. long limb thing chasing her. And he wrote back, we don't show the witch in yeah, the movie. Yeah, right. Which supports my theory. Yes. The the witch doesn't necessarily exist. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. It's something. Yeah, there's something going on, but it's not... Maybe it's not, not just one something. Yes. But everyone gets trapped there. Yeah. Uh, and when you go in, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get. Right. Uh, in the Blair Witch 1, they get Rust and Parr. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And I I think you could maybe make an argument that in the most recent movie, they're kind of haunted mm-hmm. by Heather. Mm-hmm. you know yeah uh so yeah there you go i mean it's Ugh. it's it's almost an anti-climax so good but it's one of my most loved things in pop culture yeah uh it's is the great. fact that this thing is shapeless amorphous and it's kind of what you make of it mm-hmm. i really hope with the uh the the series i hope that yeah it gets so what news up. is there about the series really really almost nothing okay eduardo sanchez basically only said like we're going to we're going to try to make a TV show. Okay. With it. I'm really curious to see what they do because I think that it's hard to separate found footage as mm-hmm. a format from Blair Witch uh as an idea, but right. I, I think it's time to do Yeah. just that. Yeah. Um so I don't I don't know what they're going to do cuz it's another one of those things where the more you explain it, the less enjoyable it is. Yeah. And that's kind of what I love about the franchise 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 Fra- franchise is because each one of these movies doesn't explain it. Right. They just show another crazy thing happen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Which is kind of the whole thing. Other crazy things. There's like dimensions and layers and stuff in 100%, those woods. 100%. Yeah. So you just be seeing them from a different angle each time. Yes. So I, I almost hope that there's just like endless unknowable yeah. events taking place. Yeah. You know? I do think that there is probably like uh the – you could start a series being like, yeah, no, in the 90s, these three kids went missing. Mm-hmm. Basically, yours and my idea of how to do – Blair Witch 2, yeah. Book of Shadows, properly. Right. Be like, this thing blew up mm-hmm. uh, and people want more, so we're going to try to make more, and then something goes wrong. Yeah. You know? Uh, so it would be a little bit meta, mm-hmm. but it would be about, you'd still be saying like Heather was a yeah. real person. Yeah. Um, I'd be into that. Yeah. I'd prefer that. That's what I want. I think I'd prefer that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, either way, I definitely want more. Oh, me too. I also have, uh, just to continue the show and tell, again, if you're watching this on YouTube, you get to see all yeah. these uh, little things that I've collected. Um, this is a, a Blair Witch action figure. Mm-hmm. Now, so let's describe. I know what it's we're so seeing. ridiculous to have an action figure of what is famously just supposed to be like, <laughs> a concept. Yeah, something that you're not supposed to see. Yeah, uh, there's this guy, uh, Todd McFarlane. Uh, he's he's a, a comic book guy. And yeah, does action figures and stuff. And he had this movie monsters, movie maniacs series. And I remember seeing this in the mall all the time, and yeah. wishing that I had these. He made like a Leatherface toy. I've got. Ghostface, of course, because yeah. I'm a big Scream fan. Uh, but Blair Witch. They made a Blair Witch action figure not long after the movies. Um, the first two movies, I right. should say. And so it's totally fictional. So they basically just created 
It's almost like a half half tree, half lady. Yeah, it really looks like a Wendigo. It does look like a Wendigo. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like very sort of lanky, uh, uh, no hair. There are two variations. I only have the one. I would say not even discernible as a lady. I think if you were just looking at that, you wouldn't guess that that's a female witch. It's kind of just a creature. Yeah, it's kind of just a creature with like, the skin is almost like bark. Right. Like tree bark. I mean, it's cool. And it's wearing like a, a gnarly shawl. Right. It's funny. And I, this means that they deliberately did not go with the horsehair description. Yeah. Given by uh, Mary Brown in the first movie. They created right. something completely, entirely different. And in many ways, it's, it's obvious. Yeah. It's obvious to just create a giant monster that, you know, carries a weapon or whatever the hell. She seems to have like an old scythe. Yeah. Yeah. Here. Uh, but yeah, it's a very weird thing. It seems to adhere to no rules. And that's fine with yeah. me because once again, it's all about interpretation. Yeah. And even further. So you could that imagine point, that that's what was in the woods that, sure. that Heather was saying, what the fudge is that? Yeah. I Maybe mean, it was that. Todd McFarlane's just another person who has another interpretation. Right. Of what this all means. Sure. So this is just as valid in yeah. a weird way. Uh, and uh, and uh, even emphasizing the sort of like amorphous nature of it, there are variations on this action figure. Yeah. The version that I have has like tree limbs on its head. But there's another version. I don't know if you can see it on the back of the packaging here that has like dreadlocks. Right. So they And it's two- a little bit more skeletal. It looks like a person who's wasted away and you can see like red blood and stuff like that and yeah. teeth. And you can almost see like organs coming out and stuff. Yeah. It's but totally it's like, different. Again, like... Nobody could make a decision. Yeah. No one could decide what the hell the Blair Witch is supposed to yeah. look like. It's great. We don't know. It's great. It's um, awesome. Yeah. So there you go. I think I think maybe I could just keep going. I could. It would be very easy. Yeah. But I recommend everybody to uh, to check out the movies, mm-hmm. all of them, including yeah. the terrible uh, book. Oh, totally. Uh, it's totally worth watching. Absolutely. Uh, I, I recommend you read the Blair Witch dossier for the first movie. Yep. That one of the best books I ever read. Mm-hmm. Honestly, the, it's the great. way that I enjoy it. Anyway. I was so surprised at how great it was. Yep. Uh, and I recommend you listen to Kristen's and my review mm-hmm. of both dossiers. They're in a single episode on Book Club Schmuck Club, our yep. old show. Uh, you can also read my blog post that I wrote all about the Blair Witch, where I theorize endlessly on TalkBomb.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to Simon Barrett. Yeah. For uh, helping. Uh, I also wrote a review of their commentary track because right, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right after Blair Witch. Controversial commentary. Oh, for sure. It's so funny. After the Blair Witch, the new one came out on Blu-ray. I immediately got it. I immediately listened to the commentary track. Just curious to see what they would say. They recorded it right after finding out that people hated their movie and that yeah. it was being considered a flop. Yeah. So Adam Wingard, the director, and Simon Barrett, the writer, are basically sitting there with their arms folded. Right. Being like, well, we ruined it. Yeah. Probably the worst time to record a, a commentary. For track. sure. For uh, sure. <laughs> so throughout the commentary, they keep saying like uh, really sarcastic things where they're like, all right, look at this monster. I was going to tell you what it was, but you know what? Should we tell them? Should we yeah. tell them? And the other one goes like, no, screw them. They didn't support the movie. So yeah, why yeah. should we? And I was sitting there going like, I did support the movie. Right. But I did. I'm watching it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you're the kind of nerd who's listening to a commentary track, you're obviously supporting the movie. Haters aren't listening to commentary tracks. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the funny thing is, I know, I understand, yeah. they were never going to tell us anyway. Yeah. It would ruin the point. Right. The point of the Blair Witch is to not. No, they were just being weird. They were just being weird. Yeah. They were, they were making the best out they of the joking. situation. It's a little bit of gallows humor almost. So but, like you're sitting with your friend who you worked on this thing with and you said everybody hates it and you have to comment on it while it's on. Yes. You're just like in a weird headspace. Totally. So I yeah. completely understand it, but it still didn't make it a very fun documentary. <laughs> no. Or a fun Commentary. commentary. So I wrote a review saying basically that I was like, I don't really know if I recommend here. Here are the key things. And I was like, they weren't going to tell us anyway. 
So just bear that in mind. And then people wrote a ton of things about how they're like, they didn't even tell us. They said they were going to tell us and they didn't. And I'm like, they were never people were going so to. Pissed. They're pulling your leg. And then uh, Simon Barrett and Adam Wingard read my review yeah. and shared it. And they were like, this is a pretty fair review. Yeah. And I felt very good about that. Yeah. I think I understood. I think I get it. Yeah. I think I get the Blair Witch. Well, I think you get the Blair Witch, but I think it's also just kind of like empathizing with a human. I think I get it. I think you do. I think I get it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and to that point, getting lost in the woods from a monster. Can you imagine? I can't get enough of media that has to do with getting lost in the woods from a monster. Yeah, I hope. And I guess it's a good thing, right? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody pay attention to the Guide to the Unknown feed on Wednesday, October 24th. That's right. Finally. Solid, right? That's a solid date. Yes. Yep. So it pay cannot attention. change. Yeah. If it changes, there's a huge problem. Right. So everybody pay attention to the Guide to the Unknown feed. We're going to release a special episode on Wednesday, October 24th. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to our social media at GTTU pod, yep. especially on October 24th. Yes. Uh, as well as at Haunted Sponge. Mm-hmm. At Chillin' Kristen. Uh, because something big is happening on October 24th. Mm-hmm. Something woodsy this way comes. Yes, it does. There's something hidden in the woods. 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 Something hidden in the woods. There's something hidden in the woods. It is time. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Guide to the Unknown. We really, really hope that you enjoyed yourself. Uh, I know I did. My voice yeah, is hoarse because I, I, I'm, I'm really not kidding. This stuff makes me pop. I know. I love the I know, Blair Witch. It gets me pumped. I've got the Blair Witch on VHS. It's, so it's funny. in mint condition. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's stuff. great. It's like, it, this is the one that like ignited my brain. Yeah. Because it's about storytelling. It's about mm-hmm. like the nature of telling a story and how, how uh, endless it is. Right. And I think because there's so many different forms of it with different kinds of like spins, it really gets you going that way. Yeah. Yeah. Even more and so than so the actual. And so many of them are sweet. Yeah. And it's funny because like my love of it is almost above the actual material. Yeah. Because it's like, I love these individual pieces. Yeah. You love it at, as a, a concept yeah. of a thing, the way that something can grow and have offshoots 100%. and everything. It just like yeah. rattles around in my brain. Yeah. We should go to the Black Hills Woods. Yeah. So we can okay. shoot a video. Okay. So we can do it from the place. Yes. The place where it's hidden. And it'll make sense for both of us to be there. Yeah. Hot dog. Oh, good news is on the horizon, That's everybody. That's right, guys. Oh, man. Uh, okay. uh, uh, I'm very excited. I, suddenly, I just got like a real burst of adrenaline. I'm very excited about something. It's really awesome. Wednesday, October 24th. You're going to hear more from us. Uh, and I hope, I hope, hope, hope you're happy with what you hear. Yeah, I um, think you will be. Yeah. But uh, once again, thank you all for listening. You can all go to... Uh, uh, what? So, I don't know. Somewhere. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash pod If you'd like to donate a little bit of money to us um, for doing the show as kind of a thank you for giving you something to listen to and or watch. We've been doing just here and there randomly um, little live after shows that are only on Patreon. So right now, I think there's probably like an hour and a half if not more of us talking, yeah, like that. that's only on Patreon. So yeah. if you became a patron right now, you get access to the recordings of those live talks and you'll get access to future live talks where we chat with you the whole time we're talking. Like when we record this show, we do record it live. So there's a chat going on while we're talking, but we don't pay attention to it because we don't want this to come out annoying when you right. listen to it. But with those Patreon things, we're talking to you live. It's not just us talking to each other. So it's exactly. a fun thing. That's exactly. patreon.com slash GTTU pod. Yeah. Uh, so please, please, please check that out. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned, always follow uh, at GTTU pod. Kristen does an amazing job. She shares really crazy awesome stories throughout the week yeah um 
Yeah. Uh, please also consider rating and reviewing the show yeah, on Apple Podcasts. That would be great. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell people that you enjoy the show if you enjoy the show. Yes. If you don't enjoy the show, don't tell anybody about that. Keep it under your cap. Um, so we'll see you next week for more of us. That's right. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworlds go we. Bye. Bye.